And welcome to the Caring Congregation podcast, where we seek to educate and equip pastors and congregational care ministers to develop and implement congregational care ministry and provide ongoing training and resources to existing care ministries. I'm Reverend Joy Dister Dominguez, and with me is one of our national team members. Hi, Joy, and hello to our listeners. I'm Reverend Laura Berg. Hi, Laura, and thank you so much for joining us today. Today we're talking about providing care for those beyond the church walls in various capacities. And Laura, I know that uh, for you, it is police chaplaincy. And so I wish you would start by sharing with us where that call to serve as a police chaplain started. Thanks, Joy. I'm glad you're willing to start with where it actually began. Um, I think it started on my very first day of seminary, and I was sitting in a class called Kingdom, Church, and World, and it was about how we as Christians can move beyond local church, you know, and what is what's going on in our world, and how do we have this impact of representing Christ and being the body of Christ. Um, and all of our avenues within the world. And so the professor came to the lectern. His name was, uh, is Dr. Reverend Steve Harper. And um, all of a sudden, he just uh, sadly began announcing about a passenger plane that had just flown into one of the World Trade Center towers and that it had collapsed. And I remember in the moment uh, thinking, this is really a horrible test of these students to see who's qualified Mm. to be at seminary and, you know, go into full-time ministry. And I was automatically saying, I'm not one to to take this test. I mean, this is not funny. And then of course, seeing the reaction that came afterwards, um, you know, of course he was tearful and silent before he could call us all into the student union. And there were other students sitting beside me that got up and ran out of the room. Uh, later to learn that they had um, kids who were working in the World Trade Center or other relatives serving on as oh, first wow. responders in New York City, you know, and so there was this pandemonium, um, this great chaos. And so we all, all the students gathered in the student union and uh, saw the big TV screen. And, you know, there were some students that were already down on their knees praying and others already tearful and all of us in shock, of course. And um, there we were as we witnessed the second plane go into the second tower. And mm-hmm. um, being in that moment, in hindsight, I can t- truly honestly say that was the touchstone for me for the call to chaplaincy. Um, and for also mm-hmm. the realization that we we can't get through such tragedies and and difficult, challenging times in our lives. Um, without someone beside us, you know, someone who's in prayer, someone who is listening um, to all of our our feelings, all of our responses to pain and suffering in the world. And um, so even though I may not have known that chaplaincy was going to be the route I would take at the time, I know that God was definitely working on me and opening my eyes and ears to such a calling. Um, So it actually began with hospice work. 
Um, I did a clinical pastoral education training. And at the same time I started that training, a position came open to volunteer full time as a hospice chaplain. And boy, that was my training experience right there. Uh, that was boots sure. on the ground right away and dealing with situations that mm-hmm. honestly, in my own life story, I was very fear- fearful about, you know, I didn't want to be involved mm. with death and dying kind of ministry. And yet there I was. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how it, how sure. it got started well, and progressed from there. So when you say it was fearful, um, what part of death and dying um, was fearful for you that you had to confront in your training? So that also is rooted in my life story with my father. Um, I was very close to my father. And when I was um, uh, in my early 20s, just trying to start a home, had two small babies, um, my father was diagnosed with a cancer and um, went through 10 years of just the agony of watching him uh, suffer. He, he actually lived for another 30 years, but at the time, every day I lived with wow. the reality, you know, that, that I may lose my dad. And he, he was a, just a strong person in my life. And, um, so I feared it. I, I had in all those years, every day I experienced severe panic attacks. Um, you know, so when I had a colleague say, Hey, have you ever thought about hospice chaplaincy? I was like, absolutely not. I haven't. And I don't want any part of it. And yet I think out of that need to grow um, and face my fears and deepening my relationship with the Holy Spirit, um, a lot of changes were going on in my life at that time. And, and so I allowed the Holy Spirit to really, to really work in my um, fearful nature uh, and developed a strength sure. that, and gifts that I was unaware of at the time, you know, so I, I really do believe God works through our own tragic stories, you know, our own difficult days mm-hmm. and nights mm-hmm. um, and finds a way to use all that uh, to, to fine tune sure. the work God wants um, us to be able to carry out in the world. And so in that time, did someone walk alongside you and your family? Did you feel that support? Um, and I'm curious if that translated into you in your chaplaincy work um, and the hospital and then now in police chaplaincy. Yeah, so absolutely. I was very involved in the church at the time. Uh, so I had a lot of strong support from family and and church people. And, um, you know, I, I, I will say this, though, there because uh, I was in kind of kind of the limelight with the work that my parents had done and I had done. I, I felt like I had to carry this face forward of, um, you know, I'm a strong person. I've been a Christian all my life. Therefore, I must be strong and tough and, you know, go through this with my dad. And I didn't have that solid someone I could talk to. And I would say I probably spent 15 years before I had a chaplain that colleague I was talking about that asked me that important question that day. Um, That colleague is the one who really uh, was the person I could open up to about those deep seated fears of death and dying. Uh, She may have known that, you know, in in my life story, but it was in her, her willingness to just come and offer that ministry of presence with me that I felt safe. I felt like I could trust her, that she would be confidential and, 
and just allow me to to be who I was in the moment in those very difficult days. And uh, I, I think that really impacted the way I then wanted to be that ministry of presence in other people's lives. I love that the ministry of presence. And so even if you are not interested in being or not called to being a police chaplain or um, a hospital chaplain, it's that minister ministry of presence that both pastors and lay members, congregational care ministers can that are still called to. Um, and we see that, of course, through Jesus and how Jesus was present to so many who are in pain and suffering. And so I wonder if you can talk a little bit how that developed from hospital chaplaincy then to the Ministry of Presence and Police Chaplaincy. Sure, sure. So I had served as a hospice chaplain for about 10 years and then was asked if I would come to a local church and help them through a grief process during some transition that that church was undergoing. And so I said yes, and I I had kept my uh, work. I kept working as the hospice chaplain, but I was doing this part-time work with the local church. And while I was there, I realized the incredible burden that the pastors were under to try and provide all the pastoral care uh, to this congregation. And I am one for equipping lay people. I really believe in them that the, the heart of the ministry of the church lies within the lay people. And so there had been a Stephen Ministries uh, uh, ministry there that had kind of gone to the wayside a little bit when they lost their coordinator. So I saw a real need there. And so my full, my part-time position morphed into a full-time role there. And that's where I got active in the caring congregation and began um, training the laypersons for that, that incredible role of walking alongside pastors and helping with the pastoral care. And so I I did that for a while, and I I began emphasizing the importance of the church going beyond the walls, you know, and and that we could be CCMs um, in our communities. And so that was an exciting venture for us as well. We hope that you're enjoying this episode from The Caring Congregation. Be sure to check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for more information and resources. Also, we have a webinar coming up October 22nd to the 23rd of 2021. This is two days, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. We hope that you will consider joining us. We're going to cover a lot of topics, including theology of care, boundaries, listening and spiritual guidance, elder care, visitation, care for the sick and dying and organization. This will equip you and your team to have a caring congregation ministry at your church. And now back to our episode. When you say beyond the church walls, what do other people, when when you're talking with your members, uh, especially at that time, casting this vision of ministering beyond the walls, um, did you receive any resistance at first or even some questioning of like what that would look like or what that could look like? 
Oh, of course. And I think that that I had to be honest about my own fears, you know, um, and I had to model that servant leadership beyond it. So, you know, when this position came up uh, within the police department uh, to serve as a, as a volunteer chaplain, you know, I had to own my own fear, my own trepidation about going into a, a, a venue um, within our world that, you know, me as a clergy person or hospice chaplain, I, I can do well in those settings where I feel comfortable. But what about the areas where I don't feel comfortable? And so we, you know, one of the things we do, you know, as CCMs is we talk about the theology of care. And the story of Esther was very strong and has helped our, our um, local church CCMs with understanding that, you know, it's not about choosing a ministry where we feel comfortable, but that most often God calls us out of our own life stories where we might still be struggling um, and we have work to do in those stories, but also where we can have the strongest impact in the kingdom of God. And so, you know, we talked about and looked at Esther's, you know, was, was, was she afraid? Did she have those kinds of emotions that we're experiencing? And I think possibly, yes, uh, she did. Um, and just Mordecai saying, look, okay, it's do or die here. We, we need you. Your people need you. And, um, you know, that for a time such as this. And, and so I had to model that. Mm-hmm. I, the, the fear part I modeled very well. <laughs> but I, be, I think they began to see, um, you know, that that it wasn't just me going and serving as a police chaplain, you know, as a deacon in the United Methodist Church. My role is a bridge mm. between community and church. And so they sure. began to walk that bridge. And so CCMs provided support to, you know, our city um, police officers and fire departments and and, uh, you know, whether it was just sending prayer cards or letters, providing shawls during COVID, um, they have supplied masks. And then the request came from the police department. You know, could your could your people provide children's masks? Because one of the things our officers are struggling with is they go home every night to their families. And this is the beginning, you know, of our lockdown Um you know, children didn't have masks. So we made hundreds of masks um, and delivered those to all of our agencies so that those first responders could take those home to their family. And, you know, was it big, um, you know, extraordinary things? Maybe not. But was it uh, the heart of Christ, the message of Christ that we were able to share without words? I love that without words. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um so I think wherever we are, we, we all have unique callings, but we're all a part um, of this sure. kingdom work that we do um, in our different spheres of influence. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. One thing I, I want to point out to our listeners. Um, so in the United Methodist Church, uh, we have we, we believe that everyone is called to ministry. We're all called to serve, and some of us are called specifically to ordained ministry, and we have a difference between elders and deacons, and elders, uh, I'm an ordained elder, for instance, and uh, we're called to order sacrament, word, and service, whereas deacons um, are are ordained in the United Methodist Church with a calling 
uh, for word service, compassion, justice, um, and interpreting where the church can speak into the world's hurts and hopes. And like Laura has said before, walk alongside. And uh, so I wanted to just clarify that for people who are curious, the difference between elder and deacon. And um, I think it's such a remarkable calling. And I I love your, your passion for making that connection. And it certainly is a calling um, that God has placed on your life. Um, you know, I love hearing your stories. I'll share this. This is just kind of really neat how this works out. But, um, you know, when I was in my younger years, I served as a youth director at a local church um, and where I actually still live. Uh, but it was a different local church at the time. And two of the youth um, that I mentored are serving in the agency that I serve as a police chaplain. And it is just such an incredible connection um, wow. church, ma- church made the connection for us years ago, but now when I walk in, I'm not an entire, entirely a stranger to them. You know, they know me, that's kind of a handshake for us. Um, and it's just mm-hmm. a, it's a great way to, um, you know, rep- represent the love and grace of God. Um, you know, I, I can't even begin to understand what it must be like to to be in the situations we find our world in today and to represent our civilians, uh, the care of our civilians, uh, and know that every day they wake up, when they strap on all of their equipment and get ready to go out in preparation uh, for what is the unknown oftentimes uh, in their situations, Um, I can't imagine what it must be like to not have um, brothers and sisters of love, unconditional love and grace present with us, supporting us along the way. Um, And so that's what we get to do. That's what we as chaplains get to offer uh, whatever venue we're serving in. Mine just happens to be in law enforcement. Um, but whatever venue we find ourselves in, we we get to represent the church. Uh, we get to represent the love and grace of God. Um, it doesn't matter if they, we are people of faith or of no faith. I don't have to know what their religion is. Uh, I, I, I get to show up and meet a human being just like me um, who has needs and concerns and hopes and dreams and fears and give them the opportunity to um, build a relationship with me and me with them, uh, get to know one another. And I think it begins there. It has to begin there. Um, I I think any work that we're called to do begins with the authenticity of relationship. Um, Because from there, Mm -hmm. now we're going to have an opportunity for folks to open up. They're going to trust us. Uh, They're going to feel safe with us. They're, they're going to know we're not there with a hidden agenda that's going to surprise them. You know, we're not sure. going to get to try and win them over to a line of thinking that doesn't square with them and where they are. And then to validate sure. their worth. You know, right now, you know, in, in my venue, you know, people are chewed up, you know, for what they do. Um, yeah, pr- pretty tough situations. And, you know, I... Absolutely. I, I recall 
you know, during our, our elections, and I, I, I don't want us to go into any of the political stuff, but to say that, you know, there was a day that I stood on one side of the street with my picket sign one weekend, um, representing justice, you know, representing our church, representing people, good people, um, and and standing there, you know, with with my sign. And the next weekend being asked to be a chaplain present with our law enforcement there at that protest, you know, and standing along with an African-American chaplain who, who got direct ridicule. Um, you could feel, you could feel the heat of hate. Um, and my heart broke, my heart broke. And I had no words because I'm not one to understand. I'm a, I'm a white female, you know, police chaplain. And, and yet I felt drawn to stand beside her, not because she was weak, mm. you know, but because she was experiencing mm-hmm. something that was not my experience exactly, you know, and yet we mm-hmm. were able mm-hmm. uh, to stand together and without words, be Christ to one another in that event. You know, I had folks I had mm. walked, walked in the picket line with saying, you know, why, why are you doing that? You know, you're supposed to be over here with your sign. So it's a, it's a, it's a fine line. Um, and, and so we have to be prepared. And my preparation always sure. is, you know, God, make me a conduit of your love and your grace and your peace. That's all I have mm. to offer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the rest is fluff if I get in the way, right? If it becomes my agenda, the rest is fluff. Sure. And so I try to model that for sure. RCCMs. Um, and I see them doing such a great ministry in, in their own venue, in their own sphere of influence, um, supporting me, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. us supporting one another. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the scripture that comes to mind is uh, in Exodus 4, where Moses is like, well, send someone else. What, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Um, and, and God says, no, like, I'm calling you and I will, I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say, what you shall do and, uh, and speak for, for me. And to the people. And I think what you're doing is remarkable. You are so vulnerable to say, like, you know, I may not have all these answers, but I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful to where you're calling me, God. And so I think that's such a beautiful lesson for everyone listening, um, whether that's a a form of police chaplaincy or even um, just a form of standing next to our sisters and brothers who are hurting and in pain and being ridiculed. I think that's such a, a beautiful example of God's love. And, you know, it's, it's, I think sometimes we get hung up on thinking I'm supposed to leave some grand word. I'm supposed to speak some truth that wins the soul, or we see that transformation happen. Um, and if that's our agenda, I think we're all going to be highly disappointed, you know? Um, sure. An example of that would be, I recall a time where I attended a, they called it a, a death visit, and that's where someone had died in the home, and it, and that person had been alone. So the scene was not a pleasant scene at all, and I had mm-hmm. uh, met at the door with the first responders, and they were young. There were Two of them were rookies, and 
um, you know, they, their demeanor was such that they felt very confident that they could handle the situation. Well, I had already been in the home to see what was going on, and I knew that it might be difficult. Um, and so, you know, I didn't need to do anything other than just be still and be present and pray, you know, pray first, pray always in those situations. And so as they entered that scene, I began praying for them. And as they began to um, take in the situation and respond, I was so thankful to God for the moment I had to just be there with them and just to sit beside them as they took in that scene. And I didn't have to have any words, you know, that I had no magic in my pocket. Um, it was just sharing the love and grace of God. And we were all blessed as a result of that. So the work we do as CCMs, um, caring for our members of our congregation and people in our community is, is vital. That is the transformation, just offering mm -hmm. ourselves mm -hmm. as we are, who we are in Christ, and then letting the Holy Spirit do exactly what is needed in the moment. That's all we need. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the, that's the reward we need is knowing that we were the conduit. Sure. So when we're talking to churches that are considering how they can care beyond the church walls and they're looking around their community, what advice, what suggestions do you have for, for these persons that are thinking, what can we do? How can we be the church outside of these walls and care for those? What, what are your suggestions? What are your ideas of where to start? I'm very fond of the idea that we ask questions and to ask the questions we need to be present in those situations. So I've even encouraged CCMs at times to go to a city council meeting, you know, hear the voices, listen to what's going on. Don't be afraid to go and introduce yourself to the fire department, take cookies, do the things that, you know, might, you know, might be a blessing, the things that we normally would do. Um, serve on a committee. You know, we've, we've got some folks who serve in official roles, uh, in, in the city, you know, th there's ways of asking through other resources, how can we help? And I think that that's important because otherwise I think what we'll do is we assume we know what the community needs. And so we go out and we offer things that aren't, sure. aren't really needed, you know, um, we feel good sure, because we were able sure. to do it, but it didn't bring about the change, you know, that maybe, maybe mm -hmm. others were hoping mm -hmm. for, um, just like our, just like we've Absolutely. done with our pantries, our food ministries, you know, that's all out of what we see and understand. Wow. There's a need. There are people who are on the road who are hungry, but are we addressing sure. their, the homelessness, you know, are we addressing mental illness? You know, what can we do? How can we get involved? Mm -hmm. And and so we do the research. You got we got to do the research. We got to sure. be in the know. Um, we've we've got to be proactive. I think. And that pray first motto that we TCCs stress, you know, um, is so important. You know, we, we need to pray first. Pray first how God wants to guide us and use Absolutely. us in the community. Because I'm telling Absolutely. you, the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to the need if we're open. I think another thing to consider is looking around to see what ministry is already happening, what services already are out there, already present, and then partnering as a church with those agencies, with those organizations, and not trying to reinvent the wheel. I think, for instance, um, in Fort Worth, we have a huge homeless problem, and there's no sense for us as a church to 
do a new ministry to serve those persons without homes, right? There's some excellent organizations already doing the great work. So how do we uh, aid in that work? How do we collect resources and serve in that capacity to help the great work that's already happening? There's no sense in reinventing the wheel. I agree with that completely. I, I think we do a, 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 do a lot of duplicating work and we don't get sure. get as much accomplished as we possibly could if we'll just all work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I don't think we're called to be experts of, of service in every area. I mean, let's find what, you know, that we do something really well and invest in and pour those resources into it, but then partner with other agencies uh, and the things that they do very well. So, right, right. And I would love to see our churches, you know, in our areas come together. You know, the local churches in in oh, one sure. city. Oh my gosh, how many yeah. times are we duplicating the work? When if we would come together, we might could do so much more. So, my my prayer is for that. My hope is for that. I think I think this pandemic has allowed a lot of those opportunities to surface and people are taking those opportunities. And I've been very grateful for that. Um, so in my, in my line of work, I, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to, you know, be present uh, one alongside our other chaplains that are serving, but, but also for, um, for, for our city officials um, whether, whether they're in law enforcement or working with the fire department or first responders, you know, um, in a multiple array of, of areas of need. Um, a lot's been going on. We just lost an officer um, in a shooting to a shooting event. Mm-hmm. Um, we've lost officers, so sorry to hear you know, um, in our county to COVID, um, you know, not unlike other venues, mm-hmm. but in just a situation where, sure. You know, those who were doing doing the care, um, the one guy who died from COVID recently, it was a result of transporting, you know, a prisoner and who had COVID. And, you know, I just, my heart breaks for, for these who are caring for our people um, and put themselves in harm's way every day, you know. And to me, if that's sure. not the love of God, sure. I don't know what is. So I'm grateful. Uh, you know, I, I have an opportunity sure. to tell them how much. Uh, the church is grateful and this community is grateful for the work that you're mm-hmm. doing and mm-hmm. to keep encouraging. We're about encouraging, you know, one another. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think it's first mm-hmm. Thessalonians chapter five, where we're told about the armor that we put on, you know, um, and, and that we're here to be encouragers of one another. Um, and so, so that's, mm-hmm. a, you know, that's, that's something for all of us to know, you know, but like chaplains, mm-hmm. I really believe that congrega- congregational care ministers um, are not just there about giving advice. You know, they're they're not there working as therapists. They're just simply showing up. They're saying, this is who I am. Um, this is simply me. I am here with you and you are not alone. You are not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Beautiful. You, it's excellent you know, work a- of the church. There's a, there's another, I love my scripture stories, but I also love my Winnie the Pooh stories. And I would just love to close with one of the stories where sure. Winnie, the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh is sitting down and he goes, ugh, today was a difficult day. And there's just long pause and Piglet says, do you want to talk about it? And Pooh responds, no, no, I don't think I do. 
And Piglet says, well, that's okay. And he comes in, he sits beside Pooh. And Pooh says, what are you doing? And Piglet says, well, nothing really, only I know what difficult days are like. I quite often don't feel like talking about it on my own difficult days either. Oh, but goodness, difficult days are so much easier when you know you've got someone there for you. And I'll always be here for you, Pooh. And as Pooh sat there working through in his head his difficult day, while the solid, reliable piglet sat next to him quietly, swinging his little legs, he thought that his best friend had never been more right. And I'm, I think that's who we are. I think that's who we are, you know, not because we have the answers, but because we're relying upon the Holy Spirit who allows us this great privilege to come alongside those who are hurting, um, those who are wounded, those who are sick, those who are frightened, those who are overwhelmed and just say, I'm here. I'm just going to sit with you for a while in your difficult day. Amen. That's beautiful, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And I would love to close this in prayer as uh, as we go to God. Oh, God, we give you thanks for all those who have said yes to service beyond the church walls, for the chaplains, for our law enforcement who keep us safe, for all those who serve in any capacity around this world. We are grateful that you call this call them to this difficult work of service. God, we pray for their protection, for their safety. And we also pray um, for those inside the church to look outside the walls, to see what injustices are happening, to see where, um, where someone just needs to, to show up, to have the ministry of presence guide them in your love. Oh God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joy. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com for more resources and information. Also, if you like this episode, please share with your friends and your pastor. Also be sure to subscribe to this channel and give us a review. Join us next week as we explore further topics on congregational care ministry. Until then, may God bless you and keep you.